Well, I'm delighted to kick off a three-week series this morning um, that we planned uh, about six or eight weeks ago, and it's called You've Got This, and it's about thriving under pressure. So it's not like we decided this week we should do this. This is something we've been planning for a little while. I think it's kind of pertinent for where we are together and where the world is and the hour for the church to shine. And the, the whole idea that we're going to look at is thriving under pressure. And, you know, all of us are going to go through seasons of stress and pressure. It's inevitable. Stress is not necessarily bad. Stress is actually something that's normal for us to live with, and it can help us grow, it can help us go further, it can help us um, achieve things because we live under a, under a healthy level of stress. But then we can come in seasons that, that are more pressured than other seasons. Maybe it's because of relationship challenges. Maybe it's because of financial challenges, family challenges. Uh, it could be to do with a business or a job or a career. It could be to do with school or university. It could be to do with, uh, with things that we're stepping into or starting. Uh, it could be all sorts of different things that will create pressure, physical pressure, health pressure, uh, challenges in our family situations. And all of these things, can, can um, exemplify seasons of pressure. All right. Uh, now, when a season, a normal high stress period is something that many of us will go through, but then there are times where that high stress gets to a level of trauma. And so, in a, in a season of trauma, we need to make some adjustments at an even higher level than what I'm going to talk about today. And in a season of grief, we also need to make adjustments. But today I'm going to talk mostly about how we respond in seasons of pressure or high pressure and stress. The principles will relate to grief and they will relate also to trauma, but we're specifically speaking to this. Uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at a few different Bible characters and how they've responded in a season of stress so that we can discover the pattern of the Bible to bring into our own life. And this morning, I'm delighted to preach about the ultimate pattern for us. His name's Jesus, and how in his darkest hour, he responded to trauma and stress. And I believe Jesus laid out a pattern for you and for I of how we are to deal with and move through really difficult seasons in our life. And so I'm going to read a scripture out of Matthew, the stories recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's after Jesus was, uh, had the Last Supper, and they went from the Last Supper in Jerusalem in the upper room, and he went out, the Bible says, to the Mount of Olives, uh, which is a mountain just the other side of a valley outside of, uh, outside of uh, Jerusalem. And so you kind of cross a valley, you go up to the Mount of Olives, there's a lot of olive groves around, but I've been to this particular place. Uh, this is the place where Jesus ascended to heaven from, and it was a place that the Bible tells us that he regularly went to with his disciples. It was a place that he often he would stay the other side of the mountain of Jerusalem in, in uh, Bethpage and Bethany with, his, with Mar Mary and Martha and Lazarus and his friends that he'd stay with there. But he would often come to this mountain and these, these, these olive groves in seasons of prayer, the Bible would say. So the disciples were familiar to the olive groves of Gethsemane and they were familiar with Jesus' pattern of prayer. And I want us to watch what happens in his darkest hour. Then Jesus went with his disciples. Everybody say, with his disciples. To a place, place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he began to, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew he was about to be betrayed. He was about to be beaten. He was about to be crucified for the sin of the world. He knew that he was about to take this on himself. He told the disciples at the, at the, the supper that they just had. And then he returned to his disciples, the three of them, and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So he left them and went one more, once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us go. I don't think that any human being could have faced a more difficult moment in their life than Jesus. Not just the impending painful death, not just the impending um, a torture that he was about to go in, but the, he could feel literally the weight of the sin of the world beginning to close in on him. He was surrounded by demons tormenting him, him who would be screaming at him, I'm, this is, you're, you're going to be taken down, your days are over. The pressure and the weight would have been unbearable. Yet in this moment, Jesus did a number of things, and I want to talk about three things he did that are a great pattern for you and I. The first thing that Jesus did in this stressful situation is he drew aside with his inner circle. He drew aside with his inner circle. You, you, we notice that in this moment, Jesus had already done this previously. He, he'd heard the news earlier that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And someone had bought the news to Jesus, and watch what happened. Simultaneously, they bought the news that his cousin had been beheaded and persecuted, and that the King Herod was probably after Jesus next. At the same time, his disciples, who he'd sent out to minister two by two, came back with this incredible report saying, oh, we cast out demons, we healed the sick, it was amazing. And they were worn out from ministry. Jesus was worn from ministry and grief. And the Bible tells us in that moment, I think we've got the scripture, if we can put it up here. The Bible tells us in that moment, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, told him all they'd done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Okay, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place. So Jesus had already established the pattern of dealing with high pressure, grief, and the pressure of ministry with withdrawing together with his disciples to rest. To draw together, to draw aside. This is, this is interesting. We need, to, we need to be aware that there are things that we need to draw aside from. Danielle said a little bit earlier, and I 100% believe this, that if we're feeding on things that cause fear, that cause anxiety, that cause stress, and we're feeding on them, we have to be careful that the spirit that's on the things that we feed on doesn't get on us. 
I, I believe that in this hour that the church is facing right now and the world is facing, that the church is going to surge. I believe that the church will be the, the, the light of the world. I believe that we've got the answer in Jesus. He's the healer and the deliverer. And I believe the world will turn to the church in this hour. It's our time for courage. It's our time for strength. It's our time to be aware. I'm not feeding on things that's going to let that fear get on me. I'm feeding on the Word of God. I'm aware and not ignorant, but I'm feeding on the Word of God because it produces faith. The same thing might be said if you're spending every day looking at Google because you've got a medical condition. And there's one thing to be informed about a medical condition. There's another thing to just go down a rabbit burrow of of depression because you're chasing down all of the different scenarios. Or maybe it's it's looking at your bank statement every morning, hoping it's going to change because you're under financial pressure. And sometimes we've got to draw aside from what's causing us anxiety or stress. Sometimes there are, op- there are activities that are high demand upon us that in a season of grief or high stress or pressure, we can minimize the high emotional output activities so that we can monitor the well-being of our soul. Now, what we've got to be careful of is the draw aside is not to isolate ourselves. Because that's, that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. And I noticed Jesus, Jesus didn't go, holy, duly, I'm under a lot of pressure. See you later, disciples. I'm checking out. Now, he did spend time, the Bible said, withdrawing alone in prayer. But in his greatest stressor, in his greatest stressor, stress, stress moments, he withdrew, he withdrew with his inner circle, not away from his inner circle. And I, want to, I want us to be very careful. The natural thing is when we're under pressure is to isolate ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about being an introvert who needs some alone time to recharge. That's, that's fine. That's great. I, I need alone time to recharge. But under pressure, I need to be careful that I don't isolate myself and the voices in my head get louder because of the pressure that I'm under. So that's, you don't isolate yourselves. We, we, we make sure we don't cut ourselves off from the things that are life-giving. Some things take a little bit of effort. And I want to say thank you to every introvert who comes to church every Sunday morning. You, you, you don't like being in crowds. You'd rather be on, having a coffee on your own. You'd rather just be like, come on, give me some personal space right now. Some of you are celebrating that no one's hugging you at church this morning. It's like an awesome moment for you. Give me my personal space. This is the best thing. All right. Thank you, introverts, for coming to church. It's awesome. But the reason we're coming to church is Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, I'm there. It's a, there's a place. The church is not the church unless we gather. This is why we will be gathering unless, unless we, we should not be from a, from a legal point of view. We will do everything we can to gather. And then if we can't gather here, we'll gather in homes together. We're not going to sit at home and isolate because gathering is important and it's where God shows up. So we don't draw aside alone, we draw aside with. We, we um, define it, we, we work out who's our inner circle. Jesus had an inner circle. He had 12 disciples. He had friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus were, were his friends. He'd stay at their house, he'd have meals with them. He'd be encouraged by them. But he also had Peter, James, and John who would get into certain situations that others, that others weren't allowed into. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, who's your inner circle? Who's, who's, the, who's the, you know, when it all goes to custard, who are you going to call? And I think it's a good thing to have a predetermined idea of well, who is my inner circle. 
And it might change in se- from season to season. That's okay. But I think we all need a few people who we can trust and rely on. And Danielle and I have this conversation every now and then, and we had it recently. It's like, okay, if, if I'm being a turkey, you have permission to ring this person and tell them everything because I know they're going to call me. And if you're misbehaving, I have a permission. This, and we've, we've designated who, who we're going to call. We, we know. We've given each other permission. Uh, if, if we get in trouble in our relationship, if we get in trouble with our family, we, we both know that the people that we would talk to, that we'd get on the phone and not isolate uh, in that situation, we've predetermined it. Uh, when we need prayer, when we need support, we're very blessed to have groups of people who, who that we can say, hey, we, we need some help in this moment. We, this is our inner circle, who we spend time with, who we prioritize. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in the time of need. And I'm, I'm wondering uh, if you're about to do something stupid and temptations knocking on your door, do you have a pre-planned escape plan? person to call, person to text, someone in your inner circle. And I, I want to just give a few thoughts around, well, how do, I, how do I discover my inner circle? How do I find them? And the week after Easter, we're starting a three-week series on friendship and how to build godly friendships. But let me just give a couple of thoughts today. Uh, we need, the, the, this is the criteria for me for someone to be my inner circle. One, uh, they need to be able to listen to me. They need to be available so that I can, they, they'll pick up the phone if I call. They need to be someone who's, who listens with interest, not with answers. Just listen with interest. Uh, someone I know who's going to pray, not just feel sorry for me, but pray. Stand with me. Agree with me. Uh, someone I know uh, in that situation um, who will be a godly sounding board. They won't. They won't. Someone who can speak the truth in love, rather than, oh yeah, you poor guy. You should really hate them. I, no, I don't want to hear that. I might want to hear that, but what I, it's not what I need to hear. I, I need to have some friends who are going to pull me up to a higher ground, who are who are going to speak the truth in love. Now they're not going to try and solve all my problems but they're going to listen and be available. And I believe God's got a handful of people for you. If we all had just two or three, that would be awesome. And a handful of people who, who we can call. These are, this is my, these, these are my people. These are my inner circle. I've, I've found them over the years actually through going to small groups. I've found myself, uh, and not every person I've been to a small group with has become in my inner circle or my best friend, but numbers of them have been. And it's that proximity of doing life and praying and talking and believing God that I've discovered some very rich relationships that enhance my life. And I pray that you would have that. I pray that you'd find a group that will help you uh, to, to discover those inner circle. Now, I want to look at the next thing that Jesus did. He didn't just withdraw with his inner circle. But the second thing he did that blows me away, the Son of God. He's got, the, he's got the Holy Spirit as his helper. He's, he's got Father God. He, he's the miracle worker. But Jesus was vulnerable to his inner circle. He was vulnerable. I wanna, let's have a look at this, what it says that he did. Jesus said to uh, Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Like, oh my gosh. Guys, guys, I want to tell you what's going on in my soul right now. 
You might not be aware of what's happening inside of me, and I need you to be aware of what's going on inside of me. Then he says, stay here and keep watch with me. All right, so there's two components to Jesus' vulnerability that he states for you and I. I think this is so powerful. The first thing he says, this is how I'm really doing. You, you know, the crowds see Jesus ministering, casting out demons, full of power, full of confidence, rebuking Pharisees. He's, he's the man. And everyone sees Jesus in that, in that setting, in that way. But he, in this moment, he sits back and goes, guys, it's not good on the inside right now. I'm facing such pressure, it's, it, it's causing me to crumble. And there's an honesty in that moment where he says, this is, how I'm, this is what's going on. I, I believe uh, Brené Brown is a, 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 an author and a speaker who has done a TED Talk on YouTube that's gone viral around the world over the last 10 years. And she's done this story on the, uh, she's taught about the power of vulnerability. Because vulnerability takes courage. To, to, be, to stand there and say to the right person or the right people, it's not good with me at the moment. It's not good in my marriage at the moment. It's not good in my mental headspace at the moment. It's not good. To stand, it takes incredible courage. But can I say this? That we'll never have truly great, deep friendships unless we learn the power of vulnerability. Okay, we, we need it. Here's the second thing. because If we get all caught up with performance management and image management, projecting the image that I've got it all together, we will actually keep people away from us because what connects us is our vulnerability, not our strength. So vulnerability is the key to great relationships. It's the key to a great marriage. When Danielle and I first began to learn to say, actually, when you said that, I know I reacted and I, and I said that was the main issue, but that wasn't really the main issue. That just triggered something deeper inside of me, an insecurity inside of me. And when I begin to be vulnerable about what's going on on the inside of me, it allows the relationship to get deeper and grow closer. The second thing about vulnerability is we won't find real true friendships. We'll never tr find true freedom. We'll never find true freedom until we can let the light shine into our secrets. Uh, the, the moment someone actually gets honest, when, when I get honest about what I'm facing, and when I confess it and repent of it, then God's power can come in and begin to change me. When I pretend it's not real. Faith is not pretending stuff that's real is not real. Faith is actually acknowledging what's real and asking God to come in and help, and He puts people around us to help in that world. That's, that's what happens. This is why groups are so important. I've, I've loved hearing what's been happening as many groups have done the Breaking Intimidation series from February and have followed this on. And as people have had the courage to say, you know those lies that Pastor John put up on the screen that we believe in our heart? This is one of the lies that I believe. And that, that little put my toe in the water, courageous statement. This is, I, I believe that I'm disqualified because of my past. And you're kind of looking around waiting for judgment. And then someone else goes, yeah, me too. And someone else goes, yeah, me too. And suddenly you can feel a collective sigh as people go, oh, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. But there's power in the vulnerability of that and letting God come into that particular place in our lives. It's where God meets us. And Jesus said to his inner circle, I'm not okay. 
How amazing is that? I mean, if anyone's going to be, got the, the best reason to be okay, it's Jesus. And he's like, guys, I'm not okay. And here's the second thing he did. He didn't just say, I'm not okay. He said, he described the emotions, but then he asked for their help. He said, can you stay here and watch with me? I love this. He spelled it out. I'll just, just, it really helps us when people spell out what they want us to do. Uh, Danielle and I have this conversation. This might help some of the girls and the guys. I'm like, babe, I'm not a mind reader. I, I know you wanted me to do that. Uh, and you thought that if I did that, it would show that I loved you. But I didn't know that you were thinking that if I did that, it would show that you loved you. So if you just told me to do that, then I would do that. And then you'd feel like I loved you. Who's with me right now? Just, so if you want that for Christmas, just tell me you want that for Christmas and I'll buy that and you act surprised and then we'll all be good. Just, just help me spell it out. I don't, I'm not a mind reader. Am I, am I doing all right here? It's just like, just, I, 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 I'll, this is, okay, this is quite funny, but a little while ago after another uh, John fail when Dan had a, uh, a headache and, need, and needed me to look after her the right way and kind of, I just said, well, let's just spell it out. And I wrote down about seven things to do if you're not feeling well. And I've got a little note in my, in my phone. And recently I went to the notes and I delivered on everything because it was written down, because she spelt it out. Just tell her, just, I'm here to help marriages here today. Spell it out, we, and we might even find the note, and we might be able to move forward. But this is Jesus. He's going, guys, I need you to pray with me. I'm not okay, and I need you to pray with me. Would you, would you help me? I, I think this is so important with our friends and our inner circle to, to actually, you know, we're not mind readers. Our friends, we don't know... We're so often caught up with our own stuff. We don't, I don't know that you haven't been around for a little while or that you're doing it tough or unless we reach out to one another and go, hey, can we catch up? I've been doing it a bit tough. What a powerful moment of vulnerability. Can we grab a coffee? Can we meet together and pray? Things have been going a little bit tough for me lately. And if, if someone's genuinely your friend, they will respond to that moment and say, absolutely, I want to do that. It might take a while to find some people like that, but once you've found them, stick to them close. Can we catch up? Can we do something? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a sense that in, in that moment, God's peace and power will come to us. It's, it's the power of vulnerability. It's the power of the Christian journey of walking together. Now, let, let me just share a couple of bonus thoughts around vulnerability. Uh, vulnerability loses its power when it gets broadened beyond an inner circle. So vulnerability is powerful if it's in a closed group, but it actually gets diluted and loses its power if it's vulnerability to the world. So th this is one of the challenges of social media. And you might be the opposite of an introvert. You might be an extrovert who lives your life out. Uh, and everyone can kind of tell how you're doing. But can I just give just some really practical advice, but with a, with a heart for you. And this is it. If you live out all your negative experiences in a public setting, in a vulnerable way, it actually won't help you. It will, what it will mean, it will undermine your credibility. 
It will mean that people are less likely to come close to you because they're more nervous about what what you're going to spill on them. So it will push people away and undermine your credibility. That's why vulnerability is powerful. But don't be one of those people who just, I just let it all hang out there. Every negative thought I have, I just let it all out there. Everything that goes wrong, I let it all out there because that's actually working against you. Have vulnerability, but have it in a closed circle and let it work for you. Okay. Uh, The other thing I want you to know is, even though you might have some wonderful inner circle friends, Jesus three, let him down. It's like they they fell asleep. They, They didn't live up to what he needed. Even after he expressed that he needed it, they still didn't. I want to, you know, here's one, of the, here's one of these things. I want to speak to someone today that you went through a crisis and maybe a friend you thought would be there wasn't there. Don't ditch that friend. Often we judge ourselves on our intention and other people on their reality. And someone might, mightn't have won, they mightn't have been aware what you're going through. Two, they might have been going through their own thing and so they weren't responsive. Or three, they might have intended to be there for you, but they didn't. And, and just, it's not that they don't love you, they just didn't. And it doesn't mean that they're now on the blacklist. You were in my inner circle and I'm moving you over to the other list. Don't do that. I mean, genuine friends are way too important to blacklist genuine friends. Forgive and release. And I love what Jesus did because his disciples fell asleep. They didn't just do that. They went on and denied him publicly. And then Jesus initiated restoration by cooking them breakfast. Jesus, he didn't wait for them to come and apologize. He initiated towards them. See, some of our friends are actually really good in a crisis. Part of their gifting is mercy and, and, and theirness. And it's, it's like, oh, wow, you go through a crisis and wasn't that person amazing? That doesn't mean they're your best friend. It means they were great during a crisis. Some of our other friends, uh, you know, we don't see them for three months and then when we see them, it's like old times and we reconnect and it's, that's, that's still a genuine friendship. Uh, others, others that, you know, uh, just are good in other times and other situations. So be really careful that we're not ditching people because the people God, your destiny is linked to the people God places around you and the devil will do everything he can to break those relationships to rob you of your destiny. So let's be quick to forgive. Quick to believe the best in others. Quick to give people second and third chances in our relationships. Then the third thing Jesus did out of this, so he withdrew with his inner circle. The second thing, he was vulnerable with his inner circle. And the third thing, he prayed. And if we could have the keyboardist come up now, that'd be great. He prayed. What I love is he had a pre-established pattern of prayer in his life. So he didn't wait until things went wrong to pray. It was normal for him to go to the olive grove to pray. It was normal for him to withdraw to the wilderness to pray. I think it's really important that we have some normal places that we go to pray. Might be your car. I love, I love getting in my car, just pumping up the music and going for a drive and just singing and worshiping as if I'm the only person. It's awesome. It might be your bedroom. It might be the beach. It might be a forest walk. It might be, for me, it's a dark place is my normal place to go to to pray. And I just get in a small confined space and I turn the light out so I don't don't get disturbed. Because I travel a reasonable amount, I've had plenty of awesome quiet times in uh, bathrooms in hotels. 
uh, I get in the shower. Don't put the shower on. I just stand in the shower and have my quiet time because then I'm not going to wake Danielle up. It's just, it's my normal place. And we all need a normal place where we connect with God. And then in that place, even when our friends let us down, and they will, even when our partners let us down, and they will, we can go to this place of exchange. And Jesus did it. He talked to his father. He was honest about the pain. He's like, if there's any way out, father, get me out. I don't, want, I don't like this. He, he didn't say, oh, it's all good. I'm good. He was honest with God. If there's any way out. But then he, then he came to this place. He's talking to his father. It's intimate. He says, well, I'm just going to surrender to your will. I'm, I'm just going to surrender because I know that I'm in your will. And there's sometimes being in the will of God doesn't mean an absence of pain or difficulty or trial. Being a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. And in that moment, Jesus knew this was his pathway. And this is what happened. The Bible said God actually sent angels to strengthen him. Warfare was going on. Pouring out his heart was going on. Surrender was going on. And then God strengthened him. And the place of prayer is the place of exchange. We get our burdens off to God and he puts his strength on us. That's what's happening in this place today. Burdens are dropping off. Strength is coming into our hearts. While you're watching online, let strength come into your heart. Let burdens drop off. Get into that place of exchange. The Bible says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And this is what God has the capacity to do. Sometimes he, when in that place of prayer, he answers our prayer and he delivers us from the situation. He answers our prayer. Many times God delivers us and we triumph over our enemies in the short term. Then other times we go through pain, a season of hell. We get wounds. And when they heal properly, they become scars. And it's because of those scars that God uses us to be a messenger of hope and grace and love to somebody else. While Jesus went through 48 hours of hell, he came out the other side with the resurrection life of God so that you and I could know his resurrection life. I want to tell you today, whatever you're going through, whatever difficult traumatic situation you're facing right now, if you'll just keep leaning into God, if you'll just keep saying, Father, let your will be done, if you'll just keep asking for his strength, and saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to walk with you through this. You'll find God will take all things and cause them to work together for good. Can we close our eyes across this room right now? Father, I thank you for your presence here today. You know every circumstance. You know every situation. You know every difficult moment that's happening. You know the pressure that we're under. And I'm asking for your strength. Let there be an exchange of strength right now. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Faith for fear. Let there be an exchange. Let peace replace anxiety. Father, I pray that we would be your people, your church, 
who know what it is to have genuine, authentic relationships where we can be real, where we can be vulnerable, where we can stand together. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the divine connections that you have for us. That you would heal the breakages in friendships. That you'd restore people whose lives are meant to be divinely connected. That you'd help us. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that there'd be healing in hearts right now. I feel like there are some people here and you've experienced some break some some loss in friendship or some trust broken or or just people who weren't there in crisis and it's hardened your heart. I feel God saying this morning that he wants you to reopen your heart, to soften your heart, to go on that journey of being vulnerable again, that he'll meet you in it. And if that's you this morning, God speaking, I just want you to put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Trust being reestablished. Father, I pray right now that hearts would be healed. God, where hearts have been hurt, healing would come where there's been betrayal, where there's been break of trust. I pray that there'd be healing and courage to step back in. It's awesome. Put your hands down. This is we come to a close, something we do in every service. And I want to give you this opportunity right now, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room. If you're saying, John, I, I'm not in a relationship with God right now. There's something missing in my life. You might have once walked with God, once had that close friendship, once had that joy of salvation, but you've drifted away from God and this morning you're here and you know you're not connected with God. You believe He's real, but you're not close and connected. I'd love to lead you in a prayer in a moment of recommitting your life to Christ, re-surrendering to God. You might have never actually prayed a prayer saying, God, would you forgive me? God, would you come into my life? I'd love to lead you in a moment in that prayer. You were created for relationship with God. Nothing will really make sense fully in your life until you surrender and come into that relationship. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on that cross. That's why he paid the price for our sin. So that the sin that separates us from God could be forgiven. And you and I could have direct access to Him. You might be here this morning, you're not sure if when you die you're going to go to heaven. I'd love to pray for you so that you can be 100% sure. To have a confidence in your heart that you're going to spend eternity with God. So this is what I'm going to do. In a moment, I'm just going to ask simply, if you're saying, John, I want that relationship with God that you're talking about. Or I want to come back to Him because I've been away from Him or you want to be sure you're going to heaven, I just want you in a moment when I say just to raise your hand in your seat and I'll simply say I see your hand and you can put it down and then I'm going to lead us all together in a prayer. 
a prayer of surrendering to God, a prayer of asking for forgiveness and of recommitting our lives to Christ or inviting God into our lives. So this is you. If you're saying, John, something's missing. I want that relationship with God you're talking about. I need to reconnect with Him or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to connect with God. If you're online, just wherever you are, just raise your hand. If you're saying, that's me, today I want to get right with God. Today I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Today I want to recommit my life to Christ. If that's you, just say, yeah, that's me. I want to get right with God, wherever you are. Raise it up real high. Say, that's me today. Connecting with Jesus. Connecting with Jesus. Great. All right, we're good. You can open your eyes. Church, you're amazing. We love you with all of our hearts. Great days are ahead for us. I'm excited about what God's got for us. We're praying for you, praying for God's uh, favor and blessing. For those of you at home who are unwell and chose today to say it's wise for us not to be in church, we're praying for you, for God's healing and strength and courage to come into your life. We love you. You're amazing. Thank you so much.